But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Please be seated. What does it mean to be a citizen? We are all citizens of the United States of America by birth or naturalization. Citizen, citizenship for most of us is a consequence of being born within the geographical borders of the U.S. Is citizenship merely an acknowledgement of where we are born? This cannot be true. Otherwise, there would be no need to have mechanisms to become citizens by choice or expatriates by rejection. At its most basic level, citizenship requires a choice between ruler and ruled that the ruler will honor their commitments to the citizens and that the ruled will subject themselves to the commands and laws and edicts of the ruler. In an earthly context, our citizenship runs a spectrum of personal investment. Someone who is born in the United States but has only the most peripheral dealings with the nation will consequently be less invested in the conduct of the state. If they are left alone, they follow the laws and they don't step out of line. However, someone who has fled a tyrannical government and comes to our shores seeking refuge, when they decide to become citizen, it is a far greater investment. In many cases, they become enthusiastic adopters of the American dream and seek to be the best citizens they can be. To be a citizen is to belong to a community, to be an integral member of a body of people. Citizenship affords the citizen the right to be defended by the ruler to have assurance that their lives and livelihoods will be protected so long as the nation stands. In a well-run state, the citizen is provided for in order to preserve the social order and ensure the continued well-ordered function of society. A citizen is also disciplined and restricted by laws that place bounds on what it is acceptable for the individual to do. It is for these reasons that Paul depicts our life in Christ as citizens of heaven. When I hear that I am a citizen of heaven, I immediately know that I am joined to the body of believers that makes up the body of Christ. When I hear that I am a citizen of heaven, I understand that I rely on God for protection, just as in my civic life. If I am a good citizen dwelling in a just society, I rely on the instruments of the government to defend my life and livelihood. When I hear that I am a citizen of heaven, I understand most completely that I am not a citizen of this world that I am a sojourner among a strange people, a wanderer that is making his way home. I am like the asylum seeker who has found a refuge in a strange but friendly land, who after establishing themselves and rebuilding their life, pledges to become an adopted child of the country that has taken them in. And like many of those refugees, after finding their way to friendly shores, I am expected to turn back to my friends and loved ones, and anyone else fleeing the terror that chased me away and beckon them to come to the land that I now call home, the country whose citizenship I proclaim. We, like Paul, are refugees fleeing the tyranny of death. Imagine the worst regime you could live under or be threatened by. And the one who seeks to oppress us is worse, and indeed the orchestrator of all of them. We, like Paul, have been granted asylum, and not just asylum, but naturalization, Indeed, 
we will be made as if we had been born within the bounds of heaven from the beginning, reckoned as natural-born citizens of the kingdom. With this in mind, is it any wonder that Paul is moved to tears by those who walk as enemies of the cross? They are just as oppressed as we were. They enjoy no more favorable status than we do, though it may look that way on the outside. And yet, they have chosen the blasted war zone for their home, though the green pastures and quiet waters were a few steps away. They choose to rebuild the shanty that has been blown down over and over and will be blown down once more when a house with a sure foundation is just a little further inland. They are the prisoner in a camp who is given a modicum of sham authority to berate and degrade their fellow prisoners, when in the end the oppressor will kill them along with those in bondage with them. It would be easy now to turn this into a sermon about being a good citizen of heaven versus being a bad citizen of heaven. But I don't think that would do justice to Paul's analogy. He doesn't leave room for there to be a bad citizen. His contrast is between those who are citizens and those who are not. Those who are await a savior from heaven who will change us from being naturalized asylum seekers to being natural born citizens of heaven. Those who are not citizens pledge allegiance to a power that uses them up and affords them no benefits or quarter or justice. We who will recite the Nicene Creed in a few moments pledge allegiance to a powerful God who sustains and builds us up, raising us up to life, providing shelter from the enemy, and affording us the justness of his mercy in the sacrifice of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, since we are citizens, we are part of the community of believers. Each of us contributes to the building up of the congregation. Each voice lends its distinct note to our common refrain. Since we are citizens, we are protected from the perils assaulting the soul and the spirit, that the roving lion who is our enemy is kept at bay from inflicting true harm. We may be killed in the body or struck with illness or have our minds clouded in age, but we will be made new and will never depart the presence of our God and will not fear the tribulation and woes promised the earth and the waters. As citizens, we are expected to perform certain duties. A citizen of the United States pays taxes, follows laws, and in some cases answers the call of the nation to come to its aid and defense. Citizens of heaven laboring on earth are called to sacrifice to God and the church our time, talents, and treasure, to remain holy as our Father in heaven is holy, and to stand against the power of the enemy relying on God for our salvation in battle against the oppressor. The character of God throughout scripture is to hold the broken and contrite heart above all other offerings. Unlike an earthly tax imposed by a state, which serves to sustain the daily operation of the government, our contributions are neither imposed, nor are they for sustaining either God or church. God made everything we would give him, and the church at times has subsisted in the desert. Instead, our free offerings are the fruits of our appreciation in being granted asylum. We give gifts not out of obligation or because we want continued favor, but because our king gave us gifts, and we want to be like him. Practically, we accomplish this when we pledge a portion of our income, 
give sacrificially to the ministries around us, and volunteer our time in the liturgical life of the church. In these sacrifices, our citizenship is realized in the emulation of our ruler. Earthly nation states have codes of laws governing the acceptability and suitability of the actions of the citizens under their rule. These laws define the standard of conduct for citizens to follow and set the bar for everyday interaction between citizen and community. In the heavenly state, the standard is holiness, which is more than perfect action in accordance with God's commandments. It is recognizing that I, having been granted asylum, I'm no longer bound by the clamor within me that beckons me to overindulge in food and drink, to put off work I can do during the week for when I have more time on Sunday, to lust and covet after what I don't have, or to forego my prayer time because I want to get out the door just a little bit earlier. Holiness, simply put, is refusing to cede ground from the height that God has called me to, lest I sink into the sinful mire that the world around me tells is normal because it is human nature. Our citizenship is confirmed in the Holy Spirit, urging us toward right conduct and turning our hearts away from our nature and toward our Savior. It is true that in most countries, only a few citizens are called on to defend the nation by force of arms. In America, our military is staffed by an all-volunteer force and only a few of them are called to active combat roles. In contrast, we citizens of heaven who labor on earth are not citizens who wait in the homeland for the army to return. We are that army, undertaking missions and campaigns to advance the kingdom in daily lives by seeking the welfare of others, even those who would be our enemies. All of us are called to stand against the enemy in our daily lives whether he assaults us in our personal struggles with addiction, habits, and the various temptations of our mortal bodies, or whether he assaults us from others' unreasoned hatred of someone who is different from them or us. We are not expected to defeat the enemy because Satan is too much for us to handle on our own. But we resist his call and his lures and seek to break his hold over others by showing them another way. In following the banner of the cross wherever it leads, we daily lay claim to our citizenship. I hope that in hearing this, it has become clear that Paul's vision of citizenship is an inherently active citizenship. Because of this, it should be no surprise that when he says, we await a savior, he likewise intends an active waiting. We wait for heaven to send a savior, not as someone who sits and waits, but like someone who is walking on a road waiting for their friend to come and join them. Part of this walk and this waiting is ensuring that our daily life looks like that of our godly examples given us both in scripture and by providence in our lives. This includes living out the commands and practical advice given by Paul and the other apostles, as well as heeding the words of those God has placed in our daily lives uh, as examples and authorities. God has placed spiritually mature brothers and sisters among his people who have seen similar struggles to ours and whom God has blessed with an opportunity to witness to us. In the tradition of the church, he has raised up apostolic witnesses in our bishops and priests to provide voices from authority when we need more clear words of comfort and discipline. Q. 
Keeping our walk in this way is not only for our benefit, but for those who will come after this, after us, so that we may be those spiritually mature siblings to the next generation of Christians, both physical and spiritual little children. Going back to the army metaphor from a little earlier, we watch our mature brothers and sisters in Christ like a new recruit watching seasoned veterans and learning the courtesies and customs of the army we march in. In turn, we walk as those veterans for the benefit of the ones looking to our example. I urge you this week to continue to meditate on this idea of citizenship of heaven and what it means to await our savior as citizens. I encourage you to examine your walk and to consciously live your lives to be held up as an example of those that come after you. Our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior. Lord, come quickly and change us from asylum seekers and naturalized aliens to natural born citizens under you. Amen.